my name is Barbara Boshin, and welcome to The Difference Is This, a podcast focused on the many ways you can differentiate yourself and your products on Amazon so that you are the only seller in the space and you own the landscape. First, a little bit of background about myself. I worked in corporate America for 20 years doing finance, business, product marketing, basically doing working for the man and doing everything um, for them and really not much for me. And I really wanted to spread my entrepreneurial wings, have some control over my life, work when I needed to, work when I wanted to, and not work because I had to. But the big question was, what could I do? I wanted to escape this day-to-day, nine to, not nine-to-five, nine-to-nine, nine-to-ten, um, almost 24-7 and, uh, hours a week, and find a way that if I, you know, I was happy to work that much. It just needed to be a bigger reward. I needed to have more coming back to me. But what could I do? I looked at Dunkin' Donuts. That was a half a million dollar investment, full stop. I didn't see that working. We couldn't make the transition. I looked at consulting and I was like, well, how am I going to consult at night and work during the day and do that? And there was no transition there. And I was really, really stuck. And then I ran across. I had cleaned out all my kids' toys, donated them to Goodwill. And I saw when I was replacing them with the next level, you know, they were little toddlers and they moved to, you know, um, grammar school. I looked to get them replaced. I said, sell yours. And I'm looking on Amazon going, sell my what? Where am I getting stuff from? I looked a little bit more and I realized I could sell their used stuff on Amazon. And of course, I went and looked. And I said, well, this one's a junk and that one's a mess. And I said, but this one's not bad. I could clean this up, sanitize a little bit. So do a little stitching, whatever. I said, there might be something here. And I started my test. And that test became the beginning of an empire, really. Um, I started taking all, first I started with the kids' toys that they had yet to get rid of and were ready to move on and, and took some of their old toys, some of their stuffed animals to be specific, cleaned them up, made sure they were in pristine condition, um, sanitized them a little bit, put them on Amazon as used collectibles. Um, they started selling. So I'm like, okay, during the day, I'm doing million-dollar budgets, $10 million, $100 million budgets. And at night, I'm sitting in front of the television with a pile of stuffed animals on my lap, making sure that there's no mars or, or no tears, rips, or stains. Um, and I thought, all right, you know what? Let's let's test this. Let's see what I can do. I'll take $500, which buys a lot of used stuffed animals at $0.25, $0.50 cents a piece at a rummage sale. I'm going to buy $500 worth of stuffed animals and I am going to clean them up. I'm going to put them online and see where it takes me. And that $500 turned into $25,000 seed money to start moving on. Now, had a great little market and it wouldn't replace my income um, because the scale just wasn't there. There wasn't the demand. But I'm telling you, as a second income for someone um, that is a stay-at-home mom would have been killer. But I still needed to figure out how I was going to scale past that to replace the income that I was making in corporate land. So after that, basically proof of concept test was done. And I did about 125000 in gross sales, which was a huge, huge margin. But I realized that was probably the top of that market. I thought, how am I going to do this? What am I going to do? And I discovered Chris Green's retail arbitrage book. And I started looking at it. And I had heard some of the things about it on Facebook. And I heard some things about retail arbitrage. And I started looking in stores as I was going there and I had my scanning app and I would scan things and be like, all right, you know what? This, this could scale. There are a lot more store stores, normal new product stores than there are thrift stores. So while I had taken the stuffed animal business to the extent that I thought it could go as a, as a used business, like 
what could I, else could I do? How can I get scale? Because I needed to have enough turnover to make enough money, to make enough profit, to pay the mortgage, to pay the rent, to pay the insurance and all the other things. Um, so I started shopping and I love shopping. So that wasn't a problem. And I remember at one point, um, my now business partner asked me, how come my husband didn't get upset that my entire car was filled up every day? I would go out at lunch and shop um, with stuff. And yet, um, you know, he's not getting mad that I'm spending all our income going to TJ Maxx, Marshalls, uh, Home Goods, Walmart and Target. And that's when I explained to him that this pile of packages was ballet lessons. That pile of packages was ski trip. This was college tuition someday. And he started getting, he got really interested in it too. And this is when I discovered that I could actually scale by going in and buying. Now it was a lot of work. And there's one thing I was never afraid of was hard work. I could work, you know, my butt off. I could work 16 hour days at corporate land. I certainly could do it when I was making the money for myself. Um, and that led to yet another level where I thought, well, you know, it's just me going shopping and I'm getting all these things and I'm hitting a decent number. What if I hired other people to shop for me? Um, and so I went about the next level in, in this experiment and hired, literally hire, I influenced people to come work with me using their own money to buy things and when, and go in on, like go in on it with me. And when the item sold, I would give them back the money and we would split the profit after all the Amazon fees. It was really, really nice. Uh, I think at our peak, we had 15 shoppers doing, and they could determine the level of investment that they felt comfortable with. I would have somebody doing $200 a month in purchases, and another person doing $25,000 a month in purchases. And it was really, it was, as Martha Stewart says, it was a good thing. And then I had a wake-up call. We got suspended. I had just quit my job a little under a year ago. We had just moved to a warehouse so that we could continue this grand scale and get more and more in. I had 15 people shopping for me with 15 people's worth of stuff at FBA and we were suspended and we got suspended because, and this is Cynthia Stein helped me get reinstated. We got suspended because um, someone claimed we were selling fake soap. And I had this vision in my head of us in my basement and my kids were, um, you know, stirring this, vat of fake soap and my other child was printing labels to go on the boxes and my husband was over in the corner folding the boxes and putting this fake soap and it was ridiculous um it turned you know it turned out that i had to get her help i didn't know what i didn't know and it, that in itself set me on this learning journey to learn what i didn't know and to be more and more aware joining facebook groups getting out there going to conferences um, to, to understand why this happened and figure out, you know, do I go back to work? What do I do? This is a crisis point. Obviously, I need to figure out how this can never happen again because, you know, you're looking at total, total crisis. And I literally was laying on the floor in my warehouse in a sort of fetal position going, oh, my God, what have I done to our lives? But it all turned out okay. It was a moment where I handed off the problem to Cynthia Stein, said, solve this for me, help me figure this out, whatever you need from me, I will give you, but help me get this resolved. And I'm gonna focus on what I do when I rise from the ashes. And I think this is the thing a lot of people have to think about is that when you're at your most down point, when you're in your worst place, just you can curl up in a fetal position for a day or two, but then you need to stand up and be strong and solve for it and not just 
lie there in a pool of literal misery. You've got to get up and you've got to solve for it. You've got to figure out what can I do? What did I do wrong? What can I do differently? What's my responsibility here? What did I, where did my mistakes get made? How did I let this get out of control? Own it, own it, own it, own it. And I can't tell you how many people blame other people for things. And then they continue to repeat the mistake over and over again. And we literally owned it. I said, you know what? I have 15 people shopping for me. I have total chaos. I have so many different things coming in that I am not familiar with, that I'm learning on the fly, that are causing issues and errors. My processes aren't in a good place. They need to be battened down and really figured out step by step by step what happens when something comes in, what happens when it goes through, what kind of quality checks are we doing, what are we doing in terms of packaging, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And, you know, I literally had total utter chaos where I was just trying to stay, keep my head above water, trying to process all this stuff by myself, um, you know, and it made for a lot of changes. And those changes were good things to happen. Uh, And I'm really glad we did because just staying in it and fighting in it was probably the best thing we ever did. And we basically looked at where we were. I, I tried to put out of my mind that I was suspended and no money was coming in and think about how we were going to restructure the business to be more successful. Where were the errors? What had I done wrong? Had I gotten overwhelmed with 15 shoppers and so many things coming in? Yes, that was definitely a concern. How was I supposed to manage that? How was I going to put more process into place? How was I going to take the risk down? And all those problems were, were straightforward, easy to solve, more or less, and just looking at what was causing the error, how I could fix it, and how I could solve um, for the longer term to make things more simple, more straightforward, and more scalable, because that's what I was looking to maintain was a scalable income that would grow and grow and grow, um, providing us more income without actually providing a lot more stress. Um, by the end of the year, we had we had we had said to ourselves we would be 50% wholesale, and we were 60%. I was scaling down. Um, the shoppers were pretty much gone at that point. A couple of them became investors and helped us down the road invest in bigger buys. And, um, you know, where we had exclusives and customs and wholesale, uh, you know, uh, all to ourselves Um, and just tried to reorient it so that when we were doing things, there was less risk introduced, more consistency and more rinse and repeat. And from that point, we were able to build on that foundation, acquiring more wholesale accounts, learning along the way. And as we go through this podcast, I'll explain some of the pitfalls and some of the issues that we've encountered in establishing wholesale accounts and how we've been able to encounter them and come up with some really great, strong brands that said no to us at first and then turned around and said, yes, we'd love to have you. Um, And we were able to grow our wholesale business, move into exclusives, which we've been able to really um, capitalize on and really grow the whole scenario so that Um, every day it's a stronger, more solid, more stable business with less and less shifting sands under our feet. Of course, we've gone through um, a whole array of issues with wholesale. I mean, everything has its yin and yang. When we were doing RA, we had to compete with other sellers who would undercut the price a penny down all the way to the bottom. The same thing happened in wholesale, but we were able to establish relationships with our vendors, establish good footholds in niche markets that were very profitable for us. And we continued to learn and do more and more and expanding into private label, expanding into um, some more custom and exclusive areas, and just basically looking in places that other people don't think to look at. I kind of think that we think different and that uh, a lot of what we do is looking at the um, situation from the other perspective and looking at it from our 
vendor's perspective um, and trying to work with them to get, you know, one plus one equals three. So I'll hope you will continue to listen to the podcast as I explain all the different ways we've encountered, all the different problems we've encountered, and all the different ways we've been able to overcome them.